What is Ramadan? Who participates in Ramadan traditions? What are the traditions that take place during Ramadan? What is Eid al-Fitr? Why is Ramadan important to know about? We'll answer these questions and many more in today's episode on the basics of Ramadan. Welcome to Wiser World, a podcast for busy people who need a refresher on all things world. Here we explore different regions of the globe, giving you the facts and context you need to think historically about current events. I truly believe that the more we learn about the world, the more we embrace our shared humanity. I'm your host, Ali Roper. Thanks for being here. If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. I'm so excited for today's episode because I have had such a great conversation with my new friend, Shanila Ahmad, and she does a beautiful job of explaining the month of Ramadan to us. But before I begin the interview, I think it's helpful to have a foundational knowledge of what Ramadan is. So I'm going to give you a quick summary, give you a little context for this conversation. And in this summary, I talk about an important prophet in the religion of Islam. And after I say his name, I say, peace be upon him. And I do this as a non-Muslim because I asked Shanila what she would prefer. And she said that it's most respectful to say it. So that's what I did. And this episode also briefly mentions a few things that are not permitted during fasting time, some of which are adult activities. So this is a fair warning if you have little ears around listening. With that said, let's give a short explanation of the religion of Islam so that Ramadan can make some sense to you. The second largest religion in the world is Islam, with nearly 2 billion members. People who practice the religion of Islam are called Muslims. So the religion name is Islam. The people who practice it are called Muslims. And while the religion of Islam originated in Saudi Arabia in around the 600s AD, The religion has spread throughout the world and today is very popular throughout the Middle East, North Africa, especially Asia. In fact, the country with the largest Muslim population is Indonesia, followed by Pakistan and India. But Islam is practiced all over the world, with about 3.5 million Muslims living in the United States. The holy buildings for worship are called mosques, and their holy book of scripture is called the Quran, or Quran. Islam has five basic tenets or pillars that practicing Muslims do their best to follow. The first is the belief in one God named Allah and in the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, as his prophet. The second is to pray five times a day. The third is to give alms or a certain amount of their income to help the poor. Another word for this would be charity. The fourth tenant is to fast during the holy month of Ramadan, which is what this episode is about. And the fifth pillar is to at least once in a lifetime make a pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca in Saudi Arabia, which is called the Hajj. And we'll talk more about these in future episodes, but that's just the basic, basic uh, foundation for the religion of Islam. Today's episode is on that fourth pillar, the month of Ramadan. 
The Islamic calendar is a lunar calendar. So like we talked about in the Lunar New Year episode, it's based off of the moon cycles and therefore changes year to year a little bit more than the Gregorian calendar that most people around the world use. And the ninth month of the Islamic calendar is called Ramadan. That's the name of the month. And this one month is dedicated to fasting from any food, drink, including water, sex, or smoking during the daylight hours, so from sunup until sundown every day for the entire month. And Muslims who have gone through puberty are expected to participate. Those who are exempt from fasting include prepubescent children, the elderly, those with mental illness or specific physical illnesses such as diabetes or breastfeeding or pregnant women, or women during their menstruation. And this year, as I'm recording in 2023, Ramadan's first day begins on Wednesday, March 22nd, coming up, and ends on April 21st. The days change every year again because it's a lunar calendar. So this should give you a good foundation to understand the next conversation. Before I share this interview with Shanila, please know that Islam, like all religions, is very complicated with different sects, like Shia and Sunni sects, for one thing. And it's a large religion that spans many countries and cultures. So just like we talked about in the Iran 101 episodes, not all Muslims practice the same way. So please know that no two Muslims are going to practice their faith the same. And so anything that we talk about today isn't necessarily true for everyone. It's just one person's take. But I hope that it's helpful to you as you learn about this important month for Muslims around the world. So now I'm going to stop talking and let my conversation with Shanila teach you the rest. Shanila, I'm so glad you're here on the podcast. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm so excited. Let's start. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. I want to hear a little bit about your background and just would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, right now I live in Southern California and I'm a mama for children and I'm a parent coach, but I was actually born in India and I immigrated here when I was maybe four or five and I started kindergarten here and I lived in Michigan for the majority of well, half of my life. And then um, maybe about 20 years ago is when I moved to Southern California. But my family is uh, practicing Muslim, Sunni Muslim. And it's just the tradition of Ramadan has always been there since my childhood. Muslims come from so many different parts of the world. So even like the mosque that I attend, there's so much diversity. There are people from India or like, you know, China, Indonesia, in the Middle East. So it's a really melting, it's a really big melting pot, even within our mosque. For sure. I feel like that's one misconception that's sometimes made about Muslims that it's only the Middle East. And I think that's actually completely false. I was researching that a little bit and it showed that the majority of Muslims live in Asia, yes. Indonesia in particular. And so it's nice to hear that lots of diversity within your mosque in Southern California. That's wonderful. All right. Well, let's start a little bit about Ramadan. I'm excited to talk about this. Would you tell us a little bit about the purpose of Ramadan? Why is Ramadan this month of the Islamic calendar so important? Well, in our Holy Quran, which is our holy book, um, God tells us that fasting has been prescribed to us as though as it has been pres prescribed to those before us. So we may gain righteousness, consciousness. And, you know, to me personally, we live in such a busy world. It doesn't matter what faith you are, what color you are. It's hustle, hustle. And we need to slow down and just do a reset. 
And for me, Ramadan is a time where you can do a hard reset, where we are contemplating and um, really being intentional and purposeful of like, what are we spending our days doing? Are we in the, this rat race? How do we slow down? What do we really want? You know, and just really assessing life. Ramadan is a time that we not only fast from the time that the sun comes up to sunset, but it's also a time at that to contemplate, to reflect, to pray, and to connect with God. Because the rest of the year, we are just in the rat race. Mm-hmm. And so this is a hard reset of just realigning ourselves with our real purpose. Oh, that's beautiful. It's like you want you want food, our bodies want food, but it's almost like a signal to God that you want something more than food. Just to distinguish ourselves like as humans from animals is that when they have an urge, they just, you know, they want to eat, they eat. They want to do something, they do it. They don't think and pause and they don't have that delayed gratification. But we do. So it's a lot of self-discipline to be like, oh, you know, this is the time that it's, even though it's totally okay to do it, but this time I'm going to stop myself. Mm. And growing up as someone who's fasting and kids usually start fasting because they see their parents doing it and they see everyone. And they, I remember begging my mom, like, I want to fast. And she would be like, no, you know, you're too young. You can do half day fasts. And I would be like, no, that's not fair. That's not a real fast. And um, so we would just be having this fight, you know, where my mom's like, no, I want you to work your way up to a full day. Mm, And the kids would be so they were they were so excited that they would want to fast. So eventually, though, it's prescribed like you have to do it from the time you reach puberty. There's Mm. a lot of younger kids do it, too, just because they're excited and they want to participate. And it takes a lot of self-discipline, obviously. And sometimes kids may forget. And that's one of the things is that, you know, maybe you can go into the room or into um, hide somewhere and eat. Right. Right. And right. You, you'll know, but no one will know. But we know that God, God knows. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I feel like all kids and growing up, we're conscious of that. So right. when you're fasting, we're really fasting because we know that we know the truth. And it's really a way for us to connect to our community our family, our parents, um, and God. It sounds like it's a full family affair. Yeah. And are there other parts of Ramadan to, to Ramadan other than fasting, or is it mostly the fasting part that's the focus? So the fasting is the major part, but the other things that happens every night is the nightly prayer. It's optional prayer. At the prayer, they recite parts of the Quran. And by the end of the 30 nights, they've recited the whole Quran. And a lot of families go all together. Sometimes just the parents go. But it, if you live near a mosque during Ramadan, you're going to see the parking lot full. And by the time you're done with Ramadan, you have listened to the whole Quran. Yes. And that's not a small book. Yeah. So there's, there's 30 chapters and they usually do one chapter a night. And it could take around an hour and a half to do. And do the only adults do this or do the children go as well? Children can participate too. Wow. And they can go there and listen. And a lot of times there'll be a kid's room or like a mommy and me room. Sometimes the kids will be falling asleep and you know, not to disrupt the adults. And sometimes moms will just stay home with their babies. 
you know? So when uh, my kids were little, I just stayed home. And now it's just like being able to tune in and, you know, there's just so much information and access to all of that. And you can pray at home too. So after the prayer at the mosque, some people will may, may only stay there for like a little bit part of the time, and then they'll come home and pray on their own. And besides that, the nightly prayer, sometimes they want to, they also want to finish the whole Quran maybe one time during the whole month or a couple times. So it's up to them. So one of the main things is that you are reconnecting with the book. So not only are you fasting, but you're reconnecting with the book too. And the other thing is that we have our own personal goals. What are bad habits that we want to get rid of? What are new habits that we want to instill? So one of the other pillars of our faith is prayer, praying five times. So are we praying five times? So maybe somebody's only praying three or four. So during Ramadan, we're going to pray all five times and then hope that it's going to instill and become a habit, become a habit. Okay. I have so many questions just from that one statement. So at the end of the daily fast, you it's an optional, it's optional to go to the mosque. Yeah. Is this after you eat or is this before you eat? So it's after we, but let me give you a day in the life of like of my life, I guess, in Ramadan. It was it's different, obviously, when I was a kid, but and was versus me being a mom, you know, because we still have work or other sports activities and things like that during Ramadan. But I'll tell you before and after. At growing up, what we would do is that in the morning before before the um, sun comes up we have a meal. It's called sahur, and it is optional, but it's a time where, you know, we're, we're eating, we're making sure we're drinking a lot of water, eating things that are going to nourish us, and we're not going to dehydrate. So that's important. And then we have the morning prayer. So we finished eating, then we have our morning prayer. And from then on that we're fasting. And then there comes two prayers in the day. And after that, the fourth prayer is at sunset. So that's the time where, you know, around that time is when we're setting the table and a lot of people, they will open their fast with date or water or some kind of a culture a cultural drink that they're used to in their country. But in my house, it was usually water and then dates. Okay. And we'll have a date and then each culture has their own kind of food. You know, some people have soups. Some people have just a regular dinner. They might have burgers and fries. Some people may have, you know, appetizers. And obviously, if we're all fasting, it's usually like something special. Right. It's got to be a big enough meal to fill you after a full day, right? Yeah. But, you know, surprisingly, we will just eat. So at that time, we'll eat and then we'll pray that prayer that we pray at um, sunset. And then we'll eat again. <laughs> Sometimes we'll have the appetizer, you know, some families are like, well, we're just going to, you know, have an appetizer first and then we're going to pray and then we'll eat dinner. And like personally, we would get full off the appetizer. So then my mom was like, no, we're only going to have one meal. We're just going to have dinner. Right. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we'll just have water and pray and then have our meal. So basically that time and then we'll rest a little. And um, I have memories of like my parents just sitting, having tea. And then the last prayer is when we go to the mosque. So you get ready, go to the mosque. And that's after the meal, it's dark, it's late. That's why you say you can you stay home with babies because sometimes it's bedtime. Yeah, exactly. And depending on the time of year, right? So because it's, it's a lunar, it's changing. So Ramadan and the summers were really long. 
because the days are long. And hot. Yes. And so then if it was like at 8 p.m., then you're going to the mosque at like 9.30 and you're coming home almost midnight every night. And then when it's short, like winters, I remember when I first started fasting when I was a teenager, it was short. It was like winter. So you're done by like four or five o'clock and then you then you can go to the mosque at seven and be home by like 10 before that. In my understanding, I always thought Ramadan was in the springtime, but it's not it, it because it's changing. It, I think it shifts 14 days every year, right? So yes. not thinking, I had not thought about that, that that really would mean you'd have Ramadan during all seasons. Yes, exactly. We've talked about the day, an average day of Ramadan, but are there traditions associated with kicking off Ramadan, like beginning on that first day? Are there any special traditions? So the... A lot of the mosques, they start the reading of the Quran the day before it starts. So the first day of fasting would be like the second day that you go to the mosque. And actually, our days start during the night, the um, sunset. So let's say Ramadan starts on the 22nd, but we'll fast on the 22nd, but it officially starts at sunset of the 21st. I see. So that's considered Ramadan and we go to the mosque that day. So we don't really have anything religious that you have to do that you're supposed to do. But traditionally, in the past, people used to prepare six months before and they would just prepare little by little by making up any fast. So one of the things that I say about making up fast is that if you get sick, if you're traveling or if you're pregnant or nursing, you don't have to fast. But some of those, when you make it up, or, or like if you're, um, if it's that time of month, if you're on your period, you don't have, you know, you're not, you can't fast. Actually. Right. You know, your body needs to rest and then you need, you know, the food and nourishment. So you're, you can't fast, but you have to make that up. So making sure that before Ramadan, I've made up all my fast. If I was sick or traveling or it was that time of month, um, that's one of the things. And then reconnecting to like, hey, did I fall off the wagon? And just kind of starting those things again. So if people haven't, maybe they haven't, they've been so busy that they're not connected to the Quran and they're not reading. And so they can start reading it. They can start reading and kind of getting into the mood, you know. So then when it comes time for Ramadan, then they're ready. It's not like this is the first day. So practicing, you know, it's almost like getting ready for a marathon. You're going to practice. You're not going to just come on the day up. For Ramadan, you don't just like start cold turkey. You need to kind of be thinking it through sometimes up to months in advance. Is that right? That's really the best way to do it. And are there times where, you know, you have a busy year and then Ramadan comes and you're not ready? Well, now this is your time to get ready. And it's it also forces us almost like personally me, it kind of forces me to slow down because I couldn't, you know. And so some other things that I do as a mom now to prep for Ramadan is that, you know, I'll just make sure we have things in the house where I don't have to go out of the store, you know, to get something like, you know, toilet paper and just things like that. Household, you know, items, things that I can keep in the freezer. Other things like, let's say I'm going to make soup or I just want meats that I've already made that it just makes cooking easier. So I can prep that. And so a lot of people will just prep meals, meal prep for the whole month. So then they don't have to do it as much, especially in, when Ramadan was in the summers. Like, I don't want to grocery, I don't want to go grocery shopping in the heat. And also when you're hungry, you're not supposed to go anywhere, right? You'll buy everything if you go to the grocery store hungry. <laughs> 
So like some traditions that we have that my kids love is that we make fruit salad. And my kids love that and they look forward to that. Where they, even though if they're not fasting and they've already had dinner, but they'll have the fruit salad or like some chickpea salad with us that I make. Mm. And that's something that they look forward to. So I, you know, fruit, fresh fruit, you want to go and get, you know, you can't prep that beforehand. So sometimes I'll just go ahead and get those things for the couple of days and then we'll, I'll go back again. But just whatever I can prep beforehand, I do. So I like to do a decluttering beforehand. So then um, things, you know, I'm not sitting there like in the middle of a mess and things are kind of set in order. So that's something that I personally like to do. And I think everybody has their own little list of things that they want to do. One of the things that I've done more now is that after the Ramadan, the last day is a big celebration, Eid al-Fitr. And, you know, we wear new clothes and I make sure that before Ramadan, I have all my kids clothes ironed, ready to go. So then I don't have to go run around shopping and get, you know, clothes. So that's one of the things that I do to make sure that I can maximize my time of worship and connection and really slow down where I'm not running around. And also, if we get gifts for family members, things that I have to mail out, I try to make sure I do all my shopping before Ramadan starts. So then I can really just have a peaceful Ramadan. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches I'm uh, I'm astonished at how much forethought and organization it takes to really make the month meaningful for you and your family. I think that's really beautiful. I do have a question for you going back to the idea of making up fasts. So let's say that you're pregnant during the month of Ramadan. Do you have to kind of have a separate Ramadan, a, a whole month of fasting, another time of the year to to make up for that? Or is it mostly the make up faster for smaller amounts of time that you missed during Ramadan? Well, there are different um, schools of thought in this. The ruling for this is different for each case. So some moms may be sick and they're dealing with nausea and that's why they're not fasting. And in the end, and then, you know, then you have multiple kids and then you have so much. So um, they may go to the sheikh and give them their reasoning, their personal reasoning, and it might be best for them to just pay. So they could pay, like basically you're feeding one person who's fasting. So, you know, sending money to overseas or sending money to uh, sending it to the mosque. And you can just basically clear yourself from fasting because you're excused. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And is it giving alms or giving donations and charity part of Ramadan, especially at the end? Yeah. Well, it's throughout the month. Everything that you do is kind of multiplied. The good deeds that you do is multiplied. So a lot of people like to do it during Ramadan because they get, you know, 
maximize their reward. And anything that you do is maximized. So that's a time where a lot of people like to give. All right. So here's another question for you. Does your family have any other traditions that they do that are special and not related to fasting or prayer? Do they have any other traditions that you follow during Ramadan? Well, some things that I want to do to instill the love of Ramadan and our faith and our values with my kids is that what we started doing a couple of years ago was um, having a little family tradition. So maybe before our prayer, before our um, opening of the fast, we're going to come together and each person has an area that they want to cover. So maybe um, one of the stories about the prophet or maybe somebody else wants to read a read part of the Quran and the translation. Maybe they're memorizing a small verse that they want to show us or tell us. That's something that we come together and we just share what each other with each other what we're learning. So that's something that um, we've started to do that we really benefit from. And also, there's a lot of videos that a lot of um, scholars have put together on YouTube, whether from different mosques, that they actually like there's some that will take you, maybe they'll give you 10 minutes and they'll give you a summary of that chapter that you're going to be reading tonight at the prayer. So that's one of the things that they may have online that we listen to. So there are so many different scholars and speakers who talk about different aspects of Ramadan. They have talks, they have inspirational talks. So we pick one that we're going to do that year. And we as a family listen to it. It's probably like five to 10 minutes. So something bite-sized, but we all benefit from it. Something that I did with my kids was having goals for the month. So what's something that you want to do? So they may set their own goals and we're just going to check with each other how it's going. Got it. I love that. So you talked a little bit about Eid al-Fitr ending Ramadan. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What is involved? What are the traditions? So it's like the greatest day and celebration of the whole month of effort, self-control, working on our goals and habits. And this is the day to celebrate all of that. And, you know, just in general, when we do something that we're making an effort for, we should celebrate, celebrate the small wins and the big wins. So this is a huge win for us. So this is the day that, you know, where it's bittersweet because this whole month of reflection is ending and you just want to live there and you just want it to be forever. But then the celebration comes of our, of celebrating that. So basically we wake up in the morning and we have our morning prayer that we do, but then we get ready and go to the mosque and around, you know, depending on what city you're in or what the mosque decides, we have a special prayer at the mosque between eight or 9 a.m. And that's where everybody comes in, they're wearing their best clothes and we have one big prayer. And it's a little bit different, it's a different kind of prayer, but uh, we pray and then there's a short sermon afterwards and then we greet one, other, one another. And after that, usually every family will go to their, maybe to their relative's house or they have plans at their own home. And so we go and spend time with our family and friends. And that's when, you know, personally for me, we'll go to my parents' house. And then that's when some, will there'll be some gift exchanges or um, whatever the tradition is for that family. And then we'll take pictures and then Throughout the day, we may be invited to other things or we may be hosting something. So we just coordinate all that with family and friends. And so it's a whole day of us just celebrating and 
giving our gift, our family gifts and just being there with them. It's really, really uh, wonderful. And it sounds like, it feels like it's so community-based. And I imagine that by meeting every night at the mosque, you come together as a community and as a faith group. Am I, am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, some places there's so many, you know, so many people, there's thousands of people and other places there's hundreds or maybe less than that. And they prayed next to each other every night, night after night. And this is a way to just celebrate each other as well. Right. I have one more question for you about the fasting. When teenagers begin their fast and they go the whole day, I I just imagine that they get quite cranky. Is that, does that happen for your kids? Do they do really well with the discipline or is it a process that they build up every day? Do they sometimes quit earlier in the day, just depending on what happened at school or what have you? I'm just curious at the actual practicality for younger kids and teenagers on how fasting works for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. It reminds me of me being in ninth grade where I'm fasting and during lunch, I get a hall pass to go to the library because I don't want to be in the cafeteria. But some people, it doesn't matter. But I figured I'm like, you know, I'm in, I'm fasting. So why not just go to the library and use that time to do my homework? So then when I get home, I can just rest. Right. And crankiness, I don't remember getting cranky, but I feel like as a mom, I get more cranky when I'm fasting than being a student, you know, I would get excused from PE if I wanted to. So just like if there's a, you know, you have to run the mile today and I can tell my teacher that I'm, you know, my mom can send a note saying that she's fasting. So we could have an alternative project for me to do. I see. Okay. That makes sense. But there's also something really wonderful that can happen when your body goes through a fasting process, uh, spiritually, uh, physically. And I'm sure that as the days go by, your body kind of adjusts to it. Yes. Yes. And you know what? Another factor is that I didn't realize how important it was until I started making up my fast throughout the year by myself. In Ramadan, it's easier because everybody's doing it. You have that community support. You're not fasting alone. Whereas throughout the year, if I was just making up my fast, it just seems so much harder. The days are so much longer. And there's not as much of a build up to it or the eat al the party at the end. It probably is. I can see what would be a lonelier experience. So what are your favorite parts about Ramadan personally to you? Though it's changed throughout the year, but right now what it really is, is that me connecting with my creator, just doing a reset to everything and being intentional about my priorities. What do I want for myself? Where am I going? What are my goals? Like, what are my goals for my kids? How do I want to contribute and show up in the world? What kind of neighbor do I want to be? Am I being that type of neighbor? If I was gone, would anybody miss me? And why would my community miss me? You know, so it's really about how relevant am I being to my surroundings, my community, my city? How am I showing up? So I think for me, building habits that actually fulfill my purpose and my goals and my values, that's something that I really value to do during Ramadan, to do like a cleanse and also being mindful of what I'm eating. And this is the time where you're not, you're fasting, but making sure that, okay, am I drinking enough water when I'm not fasting? 
that's become important to me in the last, you know, five, six years is to really, you know, when I'm fasting, when you break your fast, you want to eat everything. But what am I putting into my body? And is that serving me? So those are some things that I feel like that's important. And like just connecting, you know, when you read something and then you read it again and then you get something else out of it. And I feel like the it's the holy book, the Quran is talking to me and there's wisdom and gems that I haven't uncovered yet. So then when it hits me and you just feel so, you feel like, okay, this makes sense to me. And how can I implement this in my life? How can I make, how can I be a better person? And disconnecting with the Quran during this month. And then thinking about in the end of the day, I, every day I know that at sunset, I'm going to eat. I know that for sure. And my kids know that for sure. But there are people in the world that aren't going to eat at sunset. There are people who are not going to have clean water in sun, at sunset. And to just reflect on that is that how, how blessed we are. And sometimes, you know, we don't realize how entitled we are. So that's another aspect that, you know, I talk to my kids about and just think about myself is that the blessings that we have, you know, sometimes we don't, we're so busy that we won't, we don't have time to even reflect on what we have. And we're looking for instant gratification. Like we get mad because our Amazon package didn't get here because it said it's supposed to get here at 2 p.m. <laughs> and it's like 10 p.m. and it didn't get here. And we can't wait, right? Right. And we get frustrated. But in reality, like we don't realize that we're like living the top 10% of the world, you know? Oh, yeah. I, oh, I, I feel that. You gave me goosebumps as you were talking. It sounds to me like a supercharged experience of connection with your body, you have to become very in tune with your body's needs. And then spiritually, it's a, a connector, a connection experience as well. But gosh, if the world, if we all stopped for a little bit and we're able to do some self-connection, some connection with a higher power, connection with our body, what would the world look like? It's a beautiful thought. We would probably become much less entitled, much more giving to our communities. Mm -hmm. I've never thought of it that way, but it's like a supercharged month. Yeah. And something that you reminded me of when you said uh, it would be more giving is that people are usually more giving. And one of the things that's important is to you get you get a lot of reward for feeding someone who's hungry. So if there's somebody else who's fasting, then you take a meal for them, then you know, that's something that a lot of people like to do. So nowadays, people will just make a couple of boxes of food and they'll, or dessert or anything, you know, an appetizer plate, and they'll go ahead and give it to their neighbors. Or they'll, um, their relatives who live close by, they may just um, stop by and give it to them before the time to eat comes. So that's something that people do that, you know, it's just like a nice gesture. And it's full of reward to actually think, be thoughtful and go out and not just feed your family, but you're, you know, helping to feed other people too. And when you say reward, just so that people understand what that means, is that like reward from God or yes. Allah? Okay. Yeah. So it's like a personal reward inside yeah. of you. Exactly. All right. Is there anything that you wish that non-Muslims knew about Ramadan that you haven't already spoken about or any misconceptions or misperceptions that you've noticed people have that you would like to correct? Well, sometimes people think that you're fasting the whole month. <laughs> you know, no, it's only 
you know, from dawn to dusk, that's when you're fasting. And even though that may seem really long, but, you know, the rest of the time you can actually eat. And the other thing is that, especially for, you know, people who are going to school or in the workplace, to be mindful and like, let's say your team at work or like, let's say the staff, they're going to have a potluck, you know, and if they know, if you know beforehand that, oh, it's going to be Ramadan, maybe ask the coworkers who are Muslim, like, hey, are you going to be fasting? Oh, maybe we can switch it to this month or maybe you could switch it at this time. That would be nice, you know, or like there's a major field trip going on, like the whole class of, you know, the whole class is going somewhere for a field trip and it's an all day outside thing. But if you know beforehand that, oh, let me just check to make sure that it's not during Ramadan, that would be nice. Right. And be just respectful and generous in the planning of things. Oh, that's great advice. And from now on, what do you want people to think of when they think of Ramadan? Like if there's a word or a phrase that you want to have come to their minds when they think Ramadan, what would that be? Probably a time where Muslims around the world are trying to better themselves, are trying to be giving and connect to God, connect to their purpose, and work on their habits and build good habits so they can be great citizens and contributor globally. If people wanted to learn more about Ramadan, are there any other resources that you would send them to? Definitely find your local mosque and go there. You know, our mosque, for example, we actually have a open mosque day where we have a fat opening, fast opening day where the city officials and the community are coming together and they break fast with us. So that's the time. That's the one place that I would urge people to go to is the, to find their local mosque and see what they're doing for Ramadan to like bring your family and go and just participate and be part of it. Oh, you are so great at explaining this. I have learned so much talking with you and you're just a delight to talk to. You're just a wonderful person. So thank you for inspiring me. I'm sure that anyone listening has new thoughts and perceptions and perspectives on Ramadan that they probably didn't have before. I know I I definitely do. So thank you so, so much. No, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my heart and something that's so dear to me and all the Muslims in the world. This is our favorite time of the year. And we would love to have other friends to join us in our local mosques. Honestly, after this conversation with Shanila, I can absolutely understand why Ramadan would be such a special time of the year for Muslims everywhere. What an awesome conversation with her. She did a fantastic job, and I'm so glad I could share her on this podcast. If you're interested in following Shanila, her Instagram is Brave Muslim Parents. I've been following her for a few years, and she's a great follow for parenting. She also shared with me a few resources that you can look into if you're interested in studying or participating in Ramadan further, and those are in my show notes now. Imagine what the world would be like if we could all understand each other's cultures and traditions and why we participate in them and why we celebrate them, what we could do for the world, what good we could do if we could understand each other a little bit better. And I hope that you learned something new in this podcast today. And if you did, please share it and let's go out and make the world a little wiser. (laughs) 